Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on the Twitters at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this podcast, you can rate it, you can review it, you could even subscribe to it. And if you do subscribe to it, we ask that you smash down hard on that subscribe button. YouTube page, social media accounts, you know, sharing the product, all these great things. Just click all the buttons that we're asking you to click, subscribe, share, all that great stuff. We will do a review. It's good to see you, by the way, Steve. We, we hung out in real life today, so then we came home to do a Zoom interview for this show. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we, we took a tour of Nashville SC Stadium, uh, Geodis Park, as it is now named. We will give you a complete review of what we saw over at the fairgrounds, as well as some of the, the details surrounding the name announcement of the, of the new park. Uh, maybe we've got a nickname option for you or two later on. So we'll do that Hope, a little bit later on. Hopefully by the last uh, by the last half of the episode here, we'll, we'll have figured out if it's Geodis, Geodis, or Jodis. Geodis it's, Park. It's Geodis. it's definitely one of those three. So we'll figure it out by then. A little bit of Geodis, a little bit of Jodat. We'll, we'll do that later on uh, in the pod after the interview with Brandon Wright, our guest on the show today, former Brentwood Academy basketball star, three-time Mr. Tennessee, uh, uh, Mr. Basketball in the state of Tennessee. I cannot get that right. Uh, of course, played for North Carolina. We just saw Duke and North Carolina wrap up the Coach K career. He had some thoughts about the Duke North Carolina thing. He played on a. He was an exceptional freshman for North Carolina, five-star recruit, um, and and of course went on to be a top ten draft pick in the NBA and played for a long time in the NBA. Uh, and I think one of the things I want, you know, just a fascinating guy extremely thoughtful I think at a very young age and for him to come up Steve when he did I think one of the things you should pay attention to in this conversation is sort of just how level-headed and mature he seemed like he was as a very very young like teenager through this entire process so uh, Brandon Wright great guy can't wait to, to hear from him uh, such a good way to kick off uh, March Madness uh, you know the conference tournaments are this weekend and then Selection Sunday is coming up baby Yes. Cannot, cannot wait. Selection Sundays this weekend. Uh, of course, uh, you'll hear from Brandon here. We'll do a review of Nashville SC's new stadium ratings and recommendations as well later on. Um, however, before we do any of that, Lamestream Sports is a podcast about Nashville sports media and business, and it is brought to you by the good, fine people at Jasper's. They're good, good and fine. They're good, and, good and fine people from Jasper's. Yeah. Listen, it's a huge weekend for Predators hockey. We're one week out from the trade deadline. They're trying to decide what to do with Philip Forsberg. It's the SEC basketball tournament. And guess what? I don't think it's an accident, Steve, that basketball, both SEC tournament and next weekend in the NCAA tournament, starts right around the time Jaspers opens at 11 a.m. Not up. an accident. Not, not an accident. Belly on up. Settle in. Make sure you got your, your rideshare app uh, updated on your phone and uh, start consuming beverages and food all day long watching basketball and hockey. Jaspers is the place to do it. It is the next evolution of the sports bar. It is. So we will give you a complete review of Nashville SC's new stadium, what we saw in there, the naming rights announcement, ratings and recommendations as well. Uh, before we do any of that, of course, Brandon Wright, our main guest on the show today, had about 35 or 40 minutes with him. And again, pay attention to the maturity level, what he had to go through coming out of high school. He was a freshman in 07. So, you know, right around the advent of social media and sort of preparing himself for, for life in in the NBA and how different that is from, from kids today. So a lot of great stuff from Brandon. Love talking with him. Really smart guy. We appreciate it and his time. So without any more from me, this was our conversation with former North Carolina and NBA star, Brandon Wright.
Welcome to the show, Brandon Wright. And I will ask you, Brandon, just how would you like to be introduced? Would you like to be introduced as three-time Mr. St- you know, Mr. Tennessee? Do you want ACC Freshman of the Year? Do you want longtime NBA pro? Like, what do you want to be introduced as? They all work for me. They all act. <laughs> I'll, I'll take whatever. I'll take, I'll take father, father and husband. How about that? Oh, see, smart man right there. Smart man. Uh, so let, let's, we're going to talk a lot about sort of your career and, and sort of your time in Nashville, but we got to go back to the beginning and, and start with sort of your high school days. And just now that you see kids playing ball today, uh, high school kids, college kids, whatever it may be, social media, all that stuff, like how different is it when you were playing high school basketball in the state of Tennessee at Brentwood Academy versus what the kids are going through now in terms of coverage? Yeah, you, you said it right there. You hit the nail on the head. It's the coverage. Um, you know, these guys are getting, you know, put on the the, the baller alerts and, the, you know, the Twitters and the Instagrams. I mean, it's video everywhere. So the exposure is, is out of this world. And, and I mean, it kind of puts a lot of pressure on these kids, um, you know, to perform at a high level at such a young age. You know, we we had a little bit of that, you know, we were kind of in that that gray area where it was really, really coming and it was coming on. And I, I remember Twitter, I remember when Twitter first came around, I, was, I think it was my third year in the NBA and I didn't have one. And were, everyone was like, you need to get a Twitter. I'm like, what's, what's Twitter? You know, and they would pull out the phone and show me their little blue bird. And then I eventually ended up getting one, I think two or three years later when I got to Dallas. But like you said, the exposure and the, the pressure and, you know, everyone is has access to what you're doing and what games you play and video. It's 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 out of control these days. I'm inter- I'm interested as the father of three girls. What have you thought about? Kind of if they're gonna, if they're going to play, if they're going to be kind of in that sort of ecosystem or not, and and how you would approach it. Yeah, uh, you know, we, me and my wife we had those conversations. I had those conversations with. Um, coaches and colleagues all the time. So my, my oldest daughter, she's in the tennis um, and she's been training hard for about, about 18 months now, coming up on two years. And she just started basketball this past, this past, uh, these past couple months. And, you know, I didn't want to put any pressure on her to, to play basketball, but she's like, I want to play basketball. And I was like, all right, cool, let's do it. Um, so, you know, I'm gonna get involved and, you know, we're going to push hard, but you know, the good thing about that is at least I've had the the exposure and I've had the, the the opportunity and experience. So I can help all my daughters, you know, through that. And, you know, I can help guide them and, you know, don't do this, you know, you know, watch this guy or girl, you know, stay away from this, you know, that's probably not a good situation. So it's easy for me to navigate, you know, what's tough is, you know, you get a, you know, you get a phenom that, you know, it's from Nashville and their parents don't have that same, you know, that same opportunity to understand what's going on. And then you got all kind of people coming at you left and right. And you don't know what's what's real or what's fake and what's good and what's bad. Get, try, try to give somebody a sense of that, because we all sort of see the articles that come out and the stories mm-hmm. and the documentaries or whatever about sort of what a sophomore in high school or a junior in high school that's clearly got all those stars next to his name on the recruiting services has to go through. Can you try to explain to somebody what that, what that is like, like how many different voices are in your head all throughout like a really, you know, when you're 16 years old, like you don't really know, know anything about life. Like how, how, what was that like in that situation for you? Well, it's, I mean, it's levels to it, you know, so you take my case, you know, for instance, 
um, you know, 14 years old, you know, if, you, if you're a great basketball player in America, you are already on the NBA's radar. Um, you know, they won't say it, they can't say it, because I don't think it's legal, but they know who you are. So all that stuff is gonna come with it, the pressure, um, you're gonna be ranked very, very highly in your class. Um, you know, now it's even different. You got the NIL and, you know, you can do backdoor deals. You know, I could say, <laughs> kid, hey, how about you go to North Carolina and, you know, I'll, and wear some t-shirts from my foundation team, Brandon Wright, and I'll pay you $100,000. And as long as you go to North Carolina, we have a deal. You know, those are the type of things that are going on right now that, you know, I didn't have to navigate back then, but it's, it's a new game. So, and then you have the financial advisors, like, you know, trying to get involved really, really early because they're just doing their jobs. Um, you know, 90% of those guys and gals, they, they do a good job, but then you all have some, some bad situations where they can get you in trouble and, you know, they can get you, you know, taking loans and doing credit stuff and giving things to your family members that you don't even know about, um, which can be, you know, detrimental. And then, you know, say you don't want to go with that, that guy or gal, you know, then you're in a, a sticky situation, you know, what do you do? And then maybe, you know, maybe someone's feelings are hurt and then they go tell on you, they, they call the NCAA or they call your, 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 your district high school, or whatever it is, TWSAA, they, they find a way to get you in trouble. So it's, it's so many different avenues and so many different things to watch out for them. And, you know, I'm proud to say, you know, we, you know, my family coming, we didn't accept any money or anything like that. You know, I was just straight lace, you know, I went to college a day of my year. I went to the NBA. Um, you know, now, nowadays it's so every, everyone, I mean, this is in all professions, in you guys' professions, this is in, you know, my business deals, this is the NBA, this is school, you just want it now. You know, you don't, you know, you don't appreciate the, the, the buildup, you, you just want it now. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the, the instant gratification that we live in. I'm not looking for you to give me any names here. So that's not, I'm not trying to get anybody. In tr is, was there one thing that just stood out to you during your recruitment that was just like odd? Like what's the weirdest thing somebody <clears throat> said to you? And you don't have to give me a name. I just am curious what that was like. Uh, I mean, I, th I think the, the craziest thing and a couple schools did this, but one particular school, uh, one of the coaches pulled me to the side <laughs> and he said, we'll do anything, anything it'll take to get you to come to our school. And that means he broke it down. This means us moving your family to this city, you know, vehicles, you know, whatever we need to do, we'll get you to, we'll take care of you. We know you're gonna do one year because, you know, that, that was kind of the consensus anyway, you know, I was gonna be probably a one and done, especially when they threw the, um, couldn't go out of high school, they threw that thing out. Um, but that was, that was probably the craziest thing. And in the amount of times that he said anything was, <laughs> I can't even remember how many times he said, he said it at least 30, 40 times in a three, four minute conversation. <laughs> you ended up going to Carolina uh, and on a, you were on a really good Carolina team, but, but you were, you were one and done when, and did you know going in that year that this is probably going to be your only year? Or did you think, well, this is Carolina and this is this is the tradition and this is the coaching that I'm gonna get here anyway. Maybe maybe it's two, maybe it's longer. Did did you did you think in like in that one year kind of time frame, or did did you did you not know? Well, when I stepped on campus, I kind of reset. 
Um, I didn't have any expectation of, of leaving after a year, but when I started playing pickup with the pros and come back and started um, kind of asserting myself in the team, it, it just all fell in place. Um, you know, I knew the situation would be there. Um, you know, I had a great freshman year. I felt comfortable out there. Um, you know, all the hype was there. You know, all, all, all the ingredients that you need to be one and done, they were there. So it was one of those situations where I kind of had to go. I mean, I, you know, I enjoyed school and it was great. And, um, you know, I had a great time. I feel like we should have won the championship that year. We came up short. But, uh, you know, I, it was just one of those things where I had to go. But, you know, I, I love school. And it's even different now. I'm, I'm actually kind of glad that the way it was back then compared to what it is now, because then you will have even more options. You know, do you, you take the money in, in the G League? Do you go play in one of these other leagues? Do you go overseas? You know, yeah. do you go play at a – do I go play at Tennessee State for one year just to do whatever? You know, one of those, those type of situations, because that's what guys are doing now. They just – you know, especially the one-and-done guys that know they'll be in the NBA by, by, this, by, you know, two years removed in high school. They just do whatever they need to do just to get to that next step. I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested. You mentioned that uh, being disappointed about that uh, that Carolina team. You guys were you guys were in the Elite Eight, lost to lost to Georgetown. I, I remember that game. Do you ever do you ever do you ever replay that game? Do you ever want that one back? <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, that, that was. I mean, that was. If I look, that's a great the game, and, and it just I was I, you know that was probably one of the biggest uh, regrets in my whole like basketball career because we were up 18 points. So, and then we lost in overtime and we just went extremely cold. Um, yeah, that, that one hurt because we had all the talent. We had all the team. I think we had like five first round picks on that team. Yeah, it was loaded. We, we, deep. we, we, we had everything we need. We just blew the game. Um, and we, you know, it would have been great to play against Ohio State too. You know, at full strength. We, we had played them earlier, but they didn't have Greg. And it would have been nice to play against them uh, at full strength. I, I, we'll have a Tyler Hansborough question soon enough. Um, but I, I, I'm just, you said you played against like former guys that come back and obviously at a place like Carolina, that's a lot of guys that could come back that have yes, a lot of guys, re yeah. really high level NBA skill. Who, who was there a one, was there one moment? Was there one player, one pickup game where you, where you, you felt like, okay, I can do this. I belong. I mean, sure. Shooting 70% as a freshman in the ACC is nice, but when you play, <laughs> but when you play against a, a real NBA player and you feel confident in your own abilities, do, do you have a specific name or player that, 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 that happened to you for? Uh, not a specific, specific player or name, but the, the thing was, you know, when I played it, play with those guys, I knew I belonged. you know, I, I felt like I belonged. Um, you know, I could jump over those guys. I can run faster than those guys. You know, these guys, they're three, four, five, six-year pros already, um, you know, doing great things in their career. And I'm hanging right there with them. Um, so that was that was kind of a big thing for me. And, you know, at Carolina, you play pickup a lot. When you, when you go to Carolina, um, you know, especially in the summertime and then in the fall, you literally play basically six days a week. So there's a lot of basketball, a lot of playing. And then those guys take you under their wing also. They'll pull you to the side, show you something um, that can help your game out. You know, they'll they'll you know they'll take you out to eat. You know, they'll do whatever it takes just to to see the program do well. And you know, it, it's been kind of hurting us this last couple of years, just the way we've been operating on the court. It was good to get the win the other night because we really really needed that win. Um, wasn't one hundred percent confident about our, our NCAA chances, but I think we're gonna be in now. 
safely. Where, where'd, where'd you watch the game? Uh, we were actually traveling. I was traveling back from Disney with my family, so I didn't get a chance to cut the game on until later. So I caught the second half, but that's all I needed. You know, <laughs> I was Does keeping it, up with it on my phone. I seen we jumped out 11-3, and I was like, okay, you know, good start. That's exactly what we need because we got blown away in that first game. Uh, yeah. It wasn't a, it wasn't a good game. And then, you know, we, we kept hanging. We kept hanging, and, you know, we were up to a halftime, and we didn't really play that well. And then we came out and played well in the second half, and, you know, we kind of punched our ticket. But, you know, that, that situation is actually kind of crazy because um, the Duke people, they will remember that game for the rest of their lives, no matter what. I think they'll remember that over any national championship, you know, any situation. That that one sting. I mean, you could you could see you did you see you guys see the players on the bench after the game when they were oh, doing the ceremony? Oh yeah. Yeah. They look they look disgusted. I mean, I you know, I I wouldn't want to be a part of that team, but you know, it is what it is. I'm glad we <laughs> I'm glad we stole one from them. Well, and and Stack, of course, here, Jerry Stackhouse here in town, uh, is like yeah, it was nice to see Coach K throw a temper tantrum at the end of his career. Like, he, he appreciated that. <laughs> yeah. um, can you try to explain? So, I guess, two-part question here. One, right, wh- why North Carolina? Why Roy Williams? And and number two, what is being on the court in Cameron Indoor or at, you know, or at the Dean Dome with, with that game happening? Like, what is that in that moment? You guys were 2-0 in the regular season against Duke. What What is that like? Well, you know, the first part, just, you know, going to North Carolina, it was pretty easy. Um, I had got real comfortable with those guys in my class that were already committed because I was the last one to commit. Uh, and I kind of felt like I was the missing piece to kind of put us over the top. Um, and and the, the coaching staff was great. The the fit was perfect. Um, you know, coach told me, you, know, you just run up and down. You can use exactly the talents you have. You know, you can play above the rim. You can use your speed. You know, you can slash. You can block shots. You can rebound. You can do whatever you need to do. This is the exact place that you want to be. And, you know, we played really well. You know, we averaged you know, close to 90 points a game. You know, we were high octane. It was just one of those type of situations that was perfect for me. So that was that was an easy choice for me. Um, after all the you know, dust cleared and I kind of went on my business and, you know, sat down with my, my family and decided. But, you know, playing there is, is pretty crazy just because the fans are right on top of you. Um, and, you know, the, the Duke fan, they got a little nastier over the years. But back when I was playing, they were a little bit more clever with their uh, their signs and their jokes. You know, they would, um, you know, they would have inside information about each player and, you know, you know what's going on. But now they, they, they it's, it's kind of, it's, I mean, it's kind of like that everywhere, to be honest. It's, it's kind of out of hand. They'll put anything on these signs and they'll allow it or whatever. But, um, and, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, I played in that game where Gerald Henderson – um, broke Tyler Hansbro's nose. And that was right at the end of the game. I think the game was out of hand. I think we were up, you know, 12, 15, whatever. We it, was, it was over. It was over. But the game was over. And, and then that situation happened. And that kind of, you know, that kind of actually, um, that kind of stunned Tyler a little bit because he he didn't play well for a while after that. Like, it took him it took him all the way to, like, the, I think the Sweet 16 to get, you know, kind of get his rhythm back, you know, because, I mean, his face was just, I mean, just imagine getting your nose broken and then having to go play a basketball game again. What what is Tyler Hansborough like as a teammate? Uh, I mean he's pre- he's pretty quiet overall. I mean you know he's um, you know he was one of those guys. He really take took care of his body. He was the type of guy that was once nine p.m. hit, it was time to go to sleep. Um, you know he was really reserved. Um, but once you got to know him, he really opened up to you. And he was uh, him and his family were really, really good people. But you know if you see him. 
you know, he would be more reserved, but then if you get to know him a little bit, then he will open himself up. But I mean, he was a competitor. I mean, you look at his career, look what he did, yeah. you know, his four years, um, you know, he, no, he, he should probably have a statue out there eventually. <laughs> I, you go, so you go to the NBA, you're drafted top and top 10. I think you're drafted eighth. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, and one of the, one of the really interesting things is that that era of players came after uh, an era of rookies that was, it was really checkered. Uh, if you look, you know, like 10 years before, I mean, there were, there were a lot of like really dramatic bust stories and yeah. a lot, and a lot of guys and a lot of guys who got ruined financially. And I know you've, you've, you've talked about this a little bit, but uh, I, I'm interested in if you were, if you were conscious of, of that on that first contract of, of, you know, okay, this is, this is, this, this could set me up financially for the rest of my life. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of cool though, because, you know, with me, uh, you know, I got I got drafted by Charlotte, but I got got traded to Golden State. So, you know, if I was been in Charlotte, I would have been close to home. Um, I would have been very, very close to school. You know, a lot more distractions, a lot more things, a lot more people can come to games easier, you know, a lot more to deal. So I got shipped out west. So that was kind of, you know, kind of cool for me because I didn't know anyone out there. Only people I knew were the, you know, team personnel, my teammates, um, you know, living in the Bay Area, Oakland, San Francisco, never been there before, you know, growing up in the South, you know, we usually go to tournaments in Atlanta, we go to Indy, you know, Texas sometimes, Florida, you know, we've been at all those type of places, North Carolina, but, you know, never been past, past Texas at all. So it was kind of cool going out there. So I kind of just kept to myself and I really didn't spend much money at all, you know, being out there, you know, and I got hit hard with the, obviously with the the California taxes, you know, that's, that's a totally different story. Yeah, I've done that. That's brutal, man. Yeah, but, you know, I that was kind of a, a cool thing for me. And then, you know, I had some injuries out there, too. So I was kind of focused on getting myself physically back well. But now I didn't really spend much money at all out there, to be honest. I mean, I just kind of did my thing at the facility, you know, worked out, practiced games, whatever. And then I, now I'm going home, you know, and that, that was kind of my first, first four years. How, how much of your training for the draft and after the draft – is dedicated to sort of like interacting with the media and sort of your public brand. Now everybody's got, you know, Zion comes out of high school with 2 million followers or whatever it is on, on Instagram. Everyone sort of has their own brand now. So how much did you think about that going into the draft and then getting selected the trade? And then before the season starts, knowing you're going to have to sort of answer questions and be in this sort of setting as, as just a sophomore, basically in college, how much prep work and practice and, and conversation did you have about, how I'm going to be presented outwardly to other people. Um, you know, kind of my motto was, uh, you know, I always have a poker face and keep my head down. You know, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't get a media, anything, they, anything extra. Um, I gave them exactly what they needed. That's it. <laughs> and that's kind of still my motto. You know, I kind of really, I don't really like social media. I'm on it, but I don't really, I don't post or anything like that. Um, you know, if I partner with a company, with my foundation, obviously I'll post and, and, show my appreciation for them but you know it was kind of cool though because in North Carolina we had a lot of it was pretty you know the media was pretty uh you know pretty centered on us you know we were the team us in Duke basketball you know back and forth we we were the teams in the area so that kind of prepared me a little bit um you know and then the whole process during the draft it was just whatever you know I just you know I, I enjoyed it you know was 
the biggest thing I think you always need to just be honest. Um, you know, it, if you go, if you're honest, and that'll that'll go a long way. But that that stuff is easy to me. I like I like talking to people. Um, you know, I don't give them too much, but but I enjoy it. The the your your first your first few years in the league, you said you you had some injuries, and you how tough was that? Because you up until that point, uh, you had been you I mean you've been everything at Brentwood Academy, and then had this great year at Carolina, and now you're now you're injured, and you're still trying to prove yourself in the league. Does that I mean that that seems like that could be a, a mentally really tough thing to 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 kind of to kind of grapple with at that you know at, at that really young point in your life yeah yeah it was it was kind of crazy because I had never been hurt either and I had this shoulder which gave me problems for about two and a half years and I, I probably should have got surgery on it that first year I heard it but I was like ah let's go ahead and wait um and then I end up jacking it up the year after but the biggest thing was uh I think the people around me uh particularly my teammates and coaches were like all right you could you know you're you're a good player you know, you just need to do what you need to do get yourself healthy. Uh, you'll be fine in this league. And, you know, it, when you're in this, in that, that let's call it a storm or whatever, um, you kind of don't realize it. But once I got out, once I left Dallas and I got, I mean, left once I left Golden State and got to Dallas, I kind of realized, like, how much stuff I overcome, overcame and, um, you know, realized, you know, and that's when I really started to flourish. Um, kind of got a lot healthier. Um you know, got into a more stable situation. And I always tell people this too, especially, uh, you know, people who understand professional sports or actually not, not understand, that's the wrong word, but not actually inside the locker room. Um, you know, enjoy the great situations. Um, you know, I, I went to a situation where we had multiple coaches. We had a couple GMs. Uh, we had a, a team sale. So, you know, you got the owner over here, you got the coach over there. You got the GM over there. They don't communicate. So, you know, you get drafted and one 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 party likes you or two parties like you and one party doesn't. You know, that that can make it a tough situation inside of a professional locker room. And, and it's all across all the, sport, uh, the pro sports, especially in North America. I mean, it can go sideways quick. So I always tell these young players, I mean, you get in a good situation. You got to enjoy it because it can be much, much rougher on the other side. Lame Street Sports is brought to you by Jaspers. That was too fast of an offense for me, Steve. I'm faking an injury now. In the hurry up. I'm Let's faking go. it. I'm faking an injury. Take me to Jaspers or leave me forever. Jaspers, home of the freest parking in Nashville. You will never go someplace else that has parking that is more free than Jaspers. It's their guarantee the cheapest parking in all of Nashville. Other places might be as cheap, but no places. Nobody ever. is cheaper. <laughs> and when you say it like that, Jaspers, we're sorry that it comes out sounding like you don't like spending money on your significant other. <laughs> Nobody's cheaper than Jaspers. Nobody is cheaper. The cheapest parking, the best parking, the most beautiful parking, all of the parking at Jaspers. But when you pair that with Good deals, great food, a great place to watch a game. It's just an unbeatable combination. Like super high-end, like restaurants you would go to and spend a fortune at, you know, they would serve you like an aperitif. Jasper's aperitif is free parking. You show up and you're ready to digest. 
That's what's going on with Jasper. You're ready to get in there. Get to business. <laughs> Is that too much? <laughs> oh, man. They're they're cheap. Um, and uh, they're basically a, a liqueur you drink before dinner. That's what we're that's what we're saying here about Jasper's. No, it's listen, there if you were to sit down and eat at Jasper's, and especially during the ha- happy hour for Preds games or the NCAA tournament, and you were to walk away from that meal, you would walk away saying, uh, this food was so good and those drinks were so good that I probably paid for parking. But you didn't. But you no, didn't. you did not. Yeah. It's amazing. It really is. Just go to Jasper's, folks. Uh, $3 domestics and $10 burgers for all Preds games home and road. There are only four or five games left before the trade deadline. So some huge, uh, some important times in Nashville for Predators fans. And of course, the SEC tournament this weekend and the NCAA tournament starting. I guess that'd be what, like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of next weekend. So uh, Tuesday, Wednesday games in Dayton. And then uh the, the the big enchilada starts on Thursday. Also, a, men, a fantastic menu item at Jasper's. The big enchilada. Uh, do you ca- do you call the first two games play-in games, or are they first round games? Those are first round games. I used to call them play-in games, nah. but as a as, as a editor. as a proud uh, alumnus of Belmont University, who is the winner of a first round game, they are first round games. As a, as a Tennessee alumnus. And a proud winner of a couple of play-in games. <laughs> Actually, one of their deepest runs with Conzo Martin was during a play-in game. I think they beat Iowa in like an 11 seed matchup. Anyway, go to Jasper's for all the great sporting events and happy hours and grab-and-go markets. The menu's great. Parking is free. Go to Jasper's, everybody. It sounds like you came out of college pretty fairly mature for your age and sort of with some wisdom and sort of an approach that was going to help you through all of those storms. Right. How many, how many 18, 19, 20 year old kids nowadays are, are capable of handling all that stuff. Like it's almost like it takes you and it's not just mentally, it's like, you know, just nutritionally, for example, like how to take care of your body. Like it it seems like there's so much, it's almost irrational to expect a 19 year old to be able to handle all of that. Yeah, it is. Um, and that's why, you know, you got to put the put a team around them to to really, um, you know, give them that support system that they they need. And uh, I was actually talking to the, the CEO of uh, team, Brandon Wright, his name is Spencer Richardson. Uh, you probably heard his, his dad was a, a big time basketball player. Oh, right yeah. here. We talk about, man, we just talk about how we came up as far as like playing. You know, we just used to go outside and play or go to a gym, and just play. You know, now you can. You know, our, our girls can call Spencer and get a workout in. You can work out as many times as you want. It's part of the program umbrella. Um, you can get in the gym when you want to. We'll, we'll provide. If you need strength and conditioning, we'll get you that. If you need nutrition, we'll get you that. You know, if, if you're struggling with school, you know, we'll, we'll try to get you that. If you need some type of uh, mental performance or some type of uh, coping mechanism, we'll, you know, we'll find someone with that. So, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of availability and options to to get those resources and and make sure you have the support around you. But there's also a lot of other stuff like we talked about earlier, where you have agents and you have different coaches and you have different family members. You have social media. You have friends. You know, the the culture is a lot a lot different these days. And you know, they put a lot of pressure on these kids at an early age, and it's kind of hard for them to, you know. It's like a kind of a do or die situation. Can you survive the, the tough times of you, you know, being a 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 year old? Can you make it through that to get to that next step? 
did, did you already, cause you did a lot of stuff in Oakland, um, sort of in the community, whether it's outreach or, you know, charity work or whatever, you did a lot of that stuff pretty early in your career. Did you always know that you wanted to, to have that part of your, your life be, be there and be present? Cause obviously it's what you're doing now too, but you started that pretty young, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just part of the brand as far as like, you know, being an NBA player and, and being part of a, a professional sport, you, you always want to put your face out there and kind of provide hope. Um, if that makes sense, um, allow a child or, or and even an adult to see something that they may or not may not have saw or seen, um, you know, ever in their lifetime. So, you know, having those opportunities has always been, you know, close to my heart and, and you know, just being able to, touch lives in different ways because, you know, you can, you never know a five minute conversation can maybe change, change the course of someone's day or change the course of someone's week. So those all things are always, always great to do. And, you know, and that's kind of how I got going my foundation. Um, you know, Spencer Richardson, he had this thing going where he, it was called Lady Zoom. And it was just basketball, strictly basketball. And he came to me, he's like, man, I think, I think you should get involved with, you know, what I'm doing and, 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 you know, I see if we can, pump this thing up and, and do do even greater things. And I was like, ah, you know, I'll think about it. So I, I hit him back and I told him, I was like, all right, just give me a couple of years, let's get everything in order and we can do this thing. So now we have a lot of partnerships. Uh, you know, we, we do a lot of education por- programs. Um, we're about to start uh, financial education because they didn't teach us that crap in school. They should have, but they really <laughs> didn't. Um, you know, we, we have, um, we're getting girls in school, and that's our and that's our biggest thing. We want to get our girls' schools paid for, um, you know, student loans or not where you want to go. You don't want to graduate college and be in a hole already, which is you know pretty much reality in America. So, you know, this, this thing has grown into something I never even thought it would grow into. What? Uh, how many girls do you have in the program right now? We probably have anywhere from 150 to 180 girls. We start from seventh grade all the way up to rising senior. Wow. Yeah. And we started with, we started with like two, three teams. And now we, you know, we have basically two, three teams for each grade. So it's, it's growing fast and, you know, we, we're doing a great job, but like I say, it, it started somewhere and then it, now it's, you know, even, even bigger than we even thought it was. One of the, one of the kind of criticisms about particularly like AAU life is that, I mean, it's, it's constant. I mean, yeah. it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's sort of year round. How do you, how do you get, how do you get kids to balance sort of in that kind of in that atmosphere? Because it, I mean, they're excited. I mean, they want to be playing, they yeah. want to be playing basketball. They want to be trying to get better, but at the same time, you know, you've got to, you got to teach them to find some sort of so they, something so that it's not constant. Yeah. I man. I, I, to be honest, I, I still can't answer that question because I came up, you know, and from ages 10 to 17, I really didn't have an off season. Um, and particularly from ages 10 to 14, I played baseball, basketball, and football. So there was literally no, no offseason. And then in the summertime, I would play baseball and AAU basketball. So, you know, we were running all over town. We were running different tournaments, different practices, you know, maybe two, two games in one day, different, two different sports. Um, Which is interesting like, because I feel like kids, like, like you played a bunch, but I mean, kids today are getting pushed to specialize, like yeah. really, then, really you know, early. I, uh, and, you know, I'm kind of I'm I'm kind of going back and forth on that. You know, what do I want to do with my daughters? Uh, with my, you know, I'm I'm kind of pushing her hard in tennis, and you know, we already up to four days a week training, and she's 
not even eight years old yet. So, I mean, but I see the the reality of this. I mean, you know, you got kids being phenoms at age 12 years old, you know, <laughs> I want her to keep up. Um, but naturally I'm a grinder though. I mean, that's just what I do. Um, I love the, the push and the struggle to get, you know, to a certain point. But, you know, it, it's a it's a tough question, man. I, I don't know. I guess you kind of got to gauge it with the person. Um, yeah. Kind of kind of see what they can handle and, and and put enough load on them where they what they can handle versus if you see it's it's it's, it's breaking them or it's you know causing you know, strife in their life or you know they're dropping off in other areas maybe you just pull it back just a little bit. That, that's that's sort of what we're doing. Like I've got a five year old and she's done soccer and then like dance and now she's doing t ball and then it's going to be like gymnastics and so it's yeah. we're just trying to give her a, a lot of experiences so that she can figure out kind of what she loves the most. And then, like you said, then you got to push her a little bit because, yeah. you know, she also likes to sit on the couch and watch movies already at five years yeah, old. So yeah. I got to be I got to be careful about that. Um, uh, what What is uh, playing for Mark Cuban like? Uh, it was pretty cool. I mean, he he's all he was always around. Um, pretty easy to talk to. I mean, he's a guy I can just call right now and then you know, we can probably have an hour of conversation about whatever. That's, that's how accessible he is to uh, to his players and his former players. Um, he really wants to win. He'll do whatever it takes. Um, and another thing I really like about him too is, uh, you know, he'll admit it, uh, admit his mistakes. Like if he makes a mistake, he'll be the first person to say, "All right, I messed up." You know, I I definitely shouldn't have did that. You know, we made a mistake here, here, and here. Um, and that's kind of hard, especially in professional sports with billionaires, uh, especially team owners. You know, sometimes it's hard to look in the mirror when you you know feel like you made a mistake or you feel like you didn't do something well, it's easy to fire a coach. It's easy to, you know, blame the GM or whatever, you know, blame a player. But um, that's one of the things I kind of noticed with him was he always took accountability. But, I mean, he's a, he's a, you know, he's probably one of the top pro owners. I mean, you definitely want him around. Um, it's always some good commentary during the game when he's, when he's yelling at the referees also. <laughs> so you claim, um, you, you claim, uh, Nashville Predators, right? Predators fan. Yeah. You, you yeah. claim Titans too, so you're a Titans fan as well. Um, how, how have you seen? How, first of all, why'd you get into hockey? But I know you were like a, a sports guy all across all different sports growing up. But how'd you get into hockey? And are, are you are you interested in getting more involved in the rest of the sports that are coming? Like you got soccer now. You got the Grizzlies out there. Like, are you interested in other things or is it just Nashville stuff? No, I mean I'm interested. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I got to get into MLS more. See, I'm a I'm a Man City fan. I've been a Man City fan since '03, and wow, people, that that those are some dark days, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People look at me like I'm crazy, and they's like, "Why did you pick Man City?" I say, "I like I like Carlos Tevez. He was my favorite player, and then I like the colors. I mean, so you know, Carolina years later, I ended up going to North Carolina. So it kind of worked out, and you know, it, there were some dark days in the beginning, and they built that thing up, and I like Pep, and I like what they're doing now. Um, so I am going to get in the MLS though. Now that we have the team, and that stadium looks beautiful every time I pass by it. Uh, I'm a big Braves fan, been a Braves fan my whole life. It was finally good to finally win one. Um, I'm, I'm set for life now on that. <laughs> but, well, that's exciting. Unless they reach a deal, you, you may have gotten the last one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, whatever happens, I don't care what happens now. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. good for about five years. <laughs> they got some good young pieces on their team also. So all my teams look good. You know, I hope the Predators um, – can make another run if we can avoid Colorado, but I'm I'm a Nashville guy. I love I love the Grizzlies. They 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 had a had a great relationship with those guys. You know, they're in state. It's easy to you know do things with them. 
Um, but you know, I'm a, I'm a big sports guy all across, across the uh, spectrum. Yeah. So in like one answer there in like a minute and a half, you just broke down like man city coaching EPL soccer. You talked about the, the division leader in the, in the central division in the NHL in the middle of March. Um, you're talking about a baseball in Atlanta. Like, do you, do you want to be in the media, Brandon? Cause like we can find you something if you want, like if you want to talk you know, about I, this stuff. I, I've actually gotten, you know, a, a lot of like offers, like you should come do this. And I'm not there. I'm not there yet. I don't know if I'm there. I, maybe I will be there one day. Um, but, you know, I'm just kind of enjoying the, the, the fatherhood. And Well, if you need I, some place I, to come get some reps, we can figure out something <laughs> for you. Yeah, but like I said, I, you know, I, I, I probably end up crossing that threshold eventually. Because, um, I mean, I, I'm just a, I'm a research guy. Like I said, I like to grind. I like to, I like to study things. Um, you know, you know, being on the road for so long, for 12 years. You know, I yeah. get to a hotel and I just read something. You know, that was that was kind of my life for a while. Cause you know, sometimes you get to the hotel at 2 a.m. 3 a.m. whatever. I'm not tired yet. You know, I slept a little bit on the plane. Now my my whole sleep schedule is jacked. I might stay up for another <laughs> two, three hours. So that was always my thing. I'm always willing to learn about you know different players and different sports and different technologies. And I'm I'm, a, I'm in a little bit of everything. So so you have you've been given the Brandon Wright show. It is your show, you get to do whatever you want with it. <laughs> What are the topics that you care? What what is the, what are you most passionate about? If you were going to do your own show about sports, let's call it sports, and it could be sports adjacent if you wanted to. What 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 are the things that are that you would put into that show? Uh, we will probably talk about crypto because I've been in a <laughs> really? big in that last by the last dip, five, baby. By the last dip. five years, we'll talk about that. I'm not giving financial advice though. You have All to right. say that, right? I think you have to say yeah, that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about we'll, we'll talk about fantasy football. I'm big into fantasy football. All right. Okay. Uh, obviously, we'll be talking about the NBA. Um, you know, I like to talk about, especially with the NBA. I like to talk about these these teams. I got league pass teams. Like I like to watch Charlotte. I like to watch the Thunder. Um, I like to watch the Magic. I like to watch these young teams so I can see these young players and how they develop over time. They, you know, obviously they're not winning as much as they would like to. Charlotte's been okay. Um, they haven't been good on defense, but they're a great team to watch on TV. So we will talk about teams like that, you know, teams that don't get a lot of love in the, in the big time media. And then we'll just talk about, you know, parenthood, you know, you know me being a man of father of three girls, you know, I think that's interesting to, to talk about. It's different. Well, I'll say this, and a good marketer will tell you sort of go where people are not. And I'm pretty sure no one is doing a show about second tier NBA teams being a girl dad, cryptocurrency, and fantasy football. I'm pretty sure you <laughs> you've hit a pretty unique cross section of the population there, man. Yeah, we we could squeeze we could squeeze that in in a in a week. We can we can hit all those topics. <laughs> no, no question about it. Well, congratulations on on all the success after your career. Obviously, during your career, you had a a great time and, and tell everybody how if, if they want to learn more about the foundation tell everybody where they can find out more information uh you can find us on twitter and instagram at uh at team brandon Wright. um simple as that um you know we really don't do a lot of you know we don't we don't do a lot of advertising or anything like that it's usually word of mouth you know we try not to sell people everyone's selling someone something you know these days so we try to stay away from that um but i'm on i'm on twitter and instagram also at, at bk right 34 if you want to reach out to me, I'm pretty, uh, you're, pretty you're out there. Fine. You're out there lurking. 
pretty i'm pretty easy to find i'm not, I'm not hard to find <laughs> well thank you so much for your time man uh proud of you as a nashvillian and uh obviously uh, all the work you've done all the success you've had so thank you for giving us some time we do appreciate it and we'll talk soon all right i appreciate you gentlemen thank you that was brandon wright former north carolina tar heel brentwood academy star and nba player he played for like nine teams in the nba and I just he started a lot of his charity work, Steve, in Oakland when he first was drafted by Golden State. And we talked about it, you know, when I asked him just sort of like, is that something that you always wanted to do? And he said it was sort of just always where my heart was. And I just think that's a that's not a thing that every five star recruit coming out of high school can can talk about and experience and execute at his age. And and maybe not having social media helped him be mature. I don't know. What do you think about the fact that he came up in an era where it was just before Facebook and Twitter? Well, I, I thought it was I thought it was funny that he said uh, he got a Twitter account and then like didn't use it for three years, uh, you know. So he, he parked whatever I, I forget what his I forget what his Twitter handle is. And if you look at it, if you look at his Twitter feed, he will go months, maybe years without uh, without tweeting anything. Uh, but no, I, I I think it's interesting that whole era of players represents the first kind of group that didn't screw things up royally i mean the, the, as rookies there were there were a lot of cautionary tales in the years before him uh the uh, people that that spent Qu- all their money kwame, kwame brown and michael oh my god Andy. i was in dc for the the kwame brown experience and it was it was hard to watch uh, he ended up lasting longer in the league than most but but you know there, there were a lot of you know, there, there were a lot of high school kids coming out uh, who didn't know how to manage their money, didn't know how to. I mean, it, you're an 18 year old in a man's game, and, and well, it led to the one and done. I mean, the, that's, yeah, Le, LeBron came out, I think, right? And then, I'm gonna, and then I, the, I, next, the, the timeline on this, I'm going to screw up. I think then, I think 03 was Carmelo Anthony when he played in the national championship game with Syracuse or in the Final Four, and Carmelo had to go to college. And I think LeBron was like the year or two before that and could come out. And it was that's the late 90s is when all that like basically the one and done like the kids got blamed for being like immature. But really, it it was NBA executives needed to be protected from themselves. Right. So everybody had to go to college for a year. But what I find interesting about Brandon is that he like he, he you can hear him talking about the level of exposure that you get as like a 12 year old and a 13 year old. He said the NBA knows who you are when you're 13 years old. But before like facebook was like what oh five ish oh four oh five ish twitter came around a couple years later like without all of that stuff overwhelming your life the way it does now for a 13 year old i feel like brandon might have been one of the last generations of of superstar high school athlete that didn't also have to deal with all the crap of social media i don't know just my observation i mean if you want to i was talking to an nba beat writer about this and they said they said a, a significant portion of your job these days, particularly for the younger guys on a team, is monitoring Instagram feeds. Yeah, yeah. and and you see that a little bit in in the NFL. I mean, I mean, you know, AJ Brown has the most entertaining Instagram feed on the Titans. Uh, I was going to say, you don't think somebody had a conversation with him about live streaming his uh, post op <laughs> his post op experience? <laughs> but um, but it, it, I just find it really interesting. You know, he, he's he's a guy who who kind of avoided all those pitfalls, had a really good career, had uh, and then has set himself up for success afterwards. Um, and just a just a 
what a um, what a what a very cool dude. It was yeah, that was it, a lot of fun. And and still in Nashville, great representative of of the city and the area. And uh, man, like it, you could you could hear it in his voice that lost to Georgetown. Yeah, <laughs> in, no. in the Elite Eight in overtime, <laughs> he's like, we had a big freaking lead and we blew it. You could just hear him. He's never gonna forget that uh, for the rest of his life. So, uh, and speaking of, because we asked him about Coach K and Duke and North Carolina, and certainly. I think he enjoyed that that evening, like like all North Carolina fans did, and Jerry Stackhouse, as we mentioned. Um, it, as we transition here into into ratings, real quickly, because I want to do this now before we get to Nashville SC, because this caught my eye. Number three on the ratings list, North Carolina Duke. Yeah, two point four ahead of the here. Here's this will be the most ridiculous five programs you've ever heard on this section of the podcast. Number five, <laughs> Ole Miss and Kentucky basketball 2.1 number four the arnold palmer invitational that's right throw out the records 2.3 wow. yeah uh-huh it shows you that that shows you where where golf is in, in nashville Eight, it's why i can't wait for the netflix documentary acc basketball north carolina duke 2.4 kentucky florida basketball 3.3 i believe that was the season finale and then nascar the las vegas 400 i assume that's in las vegas a 3.7 wow nascar Not- not a lot of sports watching going on last weekend. <laughs> Not much. I, I have to say, it was really nice last weekend. So I know. I, know. I, I did. I, I was so slammed with kid stuff. It's like everyone in the world knew that it was like the first weekend without anything important to watch. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's 100% true. We, we did the zoo, although we did end up going to the watch party at, at, uh, uh, at another establishment to watch Nashville SC uh, play, uh, speaking of. So, um, all right. Let's, we'll get to recommendations in a second. But, but touring the stadium, I will say just... Before we get into the minutia and the details of the naming rights and what that means and how much that costs and you know all the drama around the stadium, I just first and foremost, it's the first time I've walked into that place and you walk in under that floating end logo and it is a spectacular stadium. Like having been to Nissan so many times in the last couple of years, having been at Bridgestone a bunch, like it, it is a I don't know I don't want to say like perfectly constructed stadium because I still think you know they could use another jumbotron or whatever, but it, it is. Like the sound is going to be loud. The seats are really, really on top of the field and intimate. Um, the pitch looks great. The the roof line is cool. Like the whole deal. Like it's just the concourses are spacious and you can see the field from everywhere that you're walking. Um, it is a it is a beautiful looking building to be the largest soccer only facility in North America. Uh, somebody somebody leaned over uh, to me when we were down by the field and I I was talking to him about something else and they said. I was noticing that the concourses look were just they're they're super wide, uh, and they said that they're double the the width of the average MLS stadium. You're like, when that place is packed, you're not gonna you're not gonna go like down to concessions and feel like you're super cramped. So we were at the U.S. Mexico match uh, up in Cincinnati last last fall, and it was great. I mean, it's a great new stadium. I think it's TQL Stadium or something like that. Some some set of initials. And, but it was a 20,000 person stadium. The footprint of it was that they had wedged a 26,000 seat stadium into. And the problem is, is when those things get full, uh, the the concourses were like unnavigable. Like, like, like we felt like Nissan Nissan stadium during a a dangerous (laughs) Uh, like in the in the aftermath of the game, when you know, fans were 
singing and cheering and so forth. And a lot of shit was being talked to the Mexican fans who didn't leave early and, you know, whatever. Like, it, like it just felt it, it did not feel particularly. Was that Pulisic's uh, goal late to win it? Yeah. Right yeah. Uh, and, and that was the first thing that was on my mind when I walked into the stadium here, the, the, the new, I guess, Geodis uh, park was, was how's it going to be for fans when, like when they're not watching the game and it's these big spacious areas and that you can kind of move around in. And it's that way all the way around the, 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 all the way around the, the seated areas. Yep. It's, yep. it's really spectacular it, uh, when you get in there and then you see like, you know, we get to see all this, all the seats empty with, with kind of like that speckled blue, yellow, white pattern back there. And it is a, it is a damn gorgeous place. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's, it is a really cool stadium and not just because I'm used to, to Nissan stadium. Again, if you've been to a Titans game and it's you've been or a, or a concert at Nissan stadium and it's packed and there's a rain delay and you have to, and there's a lightning thing and you got to shuffle down, you are slammed in there like yeah. sardines. And this is, you're right. There's a ton of elbow room everywhere you go. There's little, little, like these little sections of standing area and, and seating area, the seats themselves, especially the, 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 the lower tier seats, like lower, close to they're on the pitch man like yeah. they are literally six feet away from from this from the match you, you can sit next to the players either home or road like it, it is they've made it extremely intimate for being the largest of its kind in in north america the you know there's they were building the bar area they still have a lot of work to do outside of the stadium there's a lot of concrete that has to be poured to get parking's going to be tricky here at least until i'd, I'd say most of the season tr- parking is going to be tricky but maybe two once years. you once you get in there it is a it, i think it's going to be a fantastic experience uh you know if you look at how and so they they, they brought us out there because they were announcing the sponsor uh geodis is a uh is a logistics company a supply chain uh company out of france they have their North American headquarters down in Brentwood. They did not announce terms of the deal, so we don't know like length and uh, length and price. If you're looking at kind of comparable deals here, um, you're thinking probably in the three to four million dollars a year range. Uh, if it were higher than that, it would be one of the best deals in the league. Uh, and I think that uh, you know this is important money for them. Like this is. <laughs> The, the the lead sponsor the lead sponsor for the stadium the lead sponsor for their for their shirts kind of kind of going forward that's going to be that 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 is really really important for sort of the financial health of the club uh, and lets them you know lets them do certain things so I, I, I'm I'm excited you know I just didn't want it to be some crypto company <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm glad it's not you know crypto field. Doge. Dogecoin Stadium. Dogecoin Stadium at uh, at uh, at the fairgrounds. No, no, I, I want, uh, I want, I wanted none of that. It, it's not as if Geodis Park lends itself to a good nickname anyway. So we are open if you'd like to send us uh, tweets and or comments about a nickname for for the park uh, or whatever it's going to become. There's not really a good nickname for it. And to be honest with you, if you look at Vanderbilt, like. Titan Stadium, other than like the stone for Bridgestone, like there's not really a good nickname for any stadium. I don't know. Is like, do do you call it just curb? (laughs) Like, I don't even know. Like, it's not even like, like there's no good nickname for stadiums in our, in our market. 
No, there's really, there's really not. But you know what? It's not terrible. I mean, it's not like yeah. I mean, it's just it, it, that's all I wanted. Uh, it's a very it's a very low bar. I, I do I do don't think do, it's important. don't do something don't do something that either your yeah. fans will make fun of or opposing yeah. fans are going to make fun of. Yeah, that that's true. I agree with that. They didn't they they cleared that. And I think it's important what you choose. Like I think that when they screwed up, I think the Titans screwed up when they they should have left it as a coliseum. They're the Titans. They they yeah. play in a coliseum. It and it also and it's Nissan Coliseum. You, yes, and it separates you from the rest of the league who just play in stadiums. Like I don't know. Like I think I think park is is better than actual calling it a stadium. Just I know that's a small tiny thing, but I, I do think that there's a little bit more um, uh, charm to to the term park. So we'll see what happens. I don't know if anyone's going to be able to when they go to the game, but it is it is a better name I think than just Geodis Stadium. You know what I mean? So cool building, man. Really cool building. Can't wait. Gonna take can't, the five. Gonna can't wait to get in there. To May. Yeah, I'm going. I, I think it's you know. I think the the object of of those of these new stadiums, uh, stadia stadiums, is going to be one of one of the things is can they bring in the casual? Can can they bring in the casual fan when somebody goes in there? Are they gonna are they gonna have a good time? The uh those those upper deck seats are very vertical, which means that you're able to you were able to push right down on they're able to push those way down onto the field. So you're never, yeah. it doesn't matter where you are. You are close to the field. Uh, the sight lines look like they're going to be great. I, I'm, I'm just really, really impressed by the, by, by, by the whole thing. And I think that the, the people that are, that are kind of samplers, they're going to come out for a game or two are going to walk away with being really, really impressed. Yep. Uh, I listen, I, I go to stadiums for a living and I was very impressed w- with the entire layout and the whole bar s- bar set up on the West side and the club seats and the family section, which is where I'm going to be sitting. So uh, there's a lot of cool stuff to do there. And it's a, it, it, you know, w- once they get the rest of the area around it finalized, which will take a while, as you said, the next year or two, um, then it'll be primo, but re- even right now it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. So, uh, all right. Uh, you want to do some recommendations here? You want, uh, you want to go first? You want me to go first? What do you think? Go ahead. How are you feeling? Uh, winning time. We had Jeff Perlman on the podcast. I recommend that episode. I believe back in December, he talked a lot about sort of watching one of his books come to life on the big screen. Um, and, uh, he wrote showtime, which is sort of, um, the, the, a book about the Lakers back with the early Lakers. He's also written one about the, the Kobe Shaq Lakers. But watching it come to life on for HBO, I believe Adam McKay is the director. We talked a lot about it with Jeff, and it, I watched the first episode. It debuted last weekend. Um, John C. Riley as Jerry Buss is spe- spectacular. Like the opening scene is like him lying in a bed with a Playboy bunny at the Playboy Mansion. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just awesome. He's so so good. Jerry West is a. I, I don't know if they overdid the character, but he is hilariously grumpy and angry, which is I guess on brand for Jerry West. So it is, it's really, really good. And they shot it. I don't know if they used post or if they used cameras that were like remade and remodeled from a certain era, but it looks like it was shot in the seventies. And oh, I, that's great. I really, I can't wait to, I can't I really wait to enjoy that. Yeah. It's a cool I'm, effect. So I'm excited. I, you know, I, I thought Jeff was really interesting when he was on here talking about it and kind of the making of it. Uh, well worth going back and listening to that interview, but um, the 
I've I'm, I've been I've had a little bit of trepidation here because I grew up a Celtics fan in the '80s. <laughs> I hated those Showtime Lakers teams. I mean, I just absolutely hated them. I hated Michael Cooper. I hated uh, you know a, a lot of the guys on that team. I was I was not I was a Bird guy, not a Magic guy, uh, and so I've had a little bit of trepidation. But the I mean, if you, if you the, hate Jerry West, the show's for you. Yeah, <laughs> but the but the, the trailer kind of won me over a little bit. Just kind of how they were doing it, and and Michael C. Riley as Bust just looks spectacular. It, he he is already in one episode the star of the show, and just it's such a perfect role for him because Bust is sort of like this very serious but also kind of chill hippie guy. Like it, it's just it's a it's a perfect role for him. Um, and I I will say that they've already done some like interesting graphical stuff around the bird and magic comparisons. And they, they had some like guy reading like scouting reports about, about Larry Bird and, you know, GMs talking about Larry Bird. And every time they do, they just like overlay like a, a graphic that just says W-H-I-T-E. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, he's a salt of the earth guy who works really hard. And they're just like white. <laughs> <laughs> so they kind of play into stuff. They have some fun with it, too. So it's uh, it's it's very, very good. I'm only one episode in. Obviously, that's all that's been released. But it's very, very good, and I can't wait for the rest of it. Highly recommend. You know I live in an HBO Netflix bubble, but it's fine. Everything they produce is great, and this is just another great one. And uh, obviously, we had a guest on that wrote it, so go listen to Jeff Perlman's interview. So good stuff there. All right, my recommendation is another podcast, which is weird. Uh, maybe So there's a podcast called The Crack, and it is... This could go a lot of different directions, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> It's three guys. It's Mabricio Wilson of uh, of a who runs a thing called Footballer Cl- uh, Clothing, Aguchi Anyewu, and Demarcus Beasley. Those are you, two former U.S. men's soccer players. Just so people. Yep. Know. Yep. Uh, they they both played in multiple World Cups. Uh, Demarcus Beasley, one of the most decorated U.S. players ever, uh, one of the best U.S. club players. But get, both of those guys are are guys that played in Europe and in the U.S. Uh, Anyewu is actually now the CEO of like a Belgian second division club, but here's the, here's the really interesting part about it. They've talked a lot about, about the lack of opportunities for black former players in MLS and in the U S game. They are very, they're very open and critical of the structure and, and, and the people that have gotten chances. And so the thing that I have found the most interesting about it is they've gotten really interesting players on there. Like Josie Altador was on there a couple of weeks ago and they asked Josie about, (laughs) about the, he had a terrible time in Toronto, his last club with, with the last coach, uh, Chris Armas, who got ended up getting fired. And they asked him straight out uh, about the relationship and about, and, and Altador was very honest and open in a way it comes off more as three guys sitting around shooting the shit than it does kind of like a formal interview podcast. And it's three, it's three guys that have been in soccer for a long time. And so people come in and are super comfortable with them, maybe in ways that right. they shouldn't be. <laughs> and it's highly entertaining. And it is, it is absolutely if you're a U.S. soccer fan, it's absolutely okay. something that you should be listening to. Right well, now. Where does the name come from? What's am I missing? Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I haven't. <laughs> I came to it late. So, I'm. A, you know, I, I have I've been consuming back episodes. I don't know what the origin of it is, the crack. Uh, okay. but it is 
it is quite good. Cool. And they can get quite salty uh, about the state of certain parts of yes. of yes. of U.S. soccer right now. On, it's on, really really good. Onyewu was probably one of my as a defensive midfielder kind of guy growing up in, in youth soccer. Like I loved Onyewu just the way he played. Big physical guy. Um, I just loved his game. Owner of like one of the most intimidating stairs ever. Yes. yes. I, uh, I loved everything just, about his game. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge fan of his. Uh, so go check that out. The crack and winning time, which are completely unrelated. Uh, also, the soccer stadium is special. Brandon Wright is awesome. Uh, and you should go to where if you want to watch a Predators game with a great happy hour, maybe some basketball. The next couple Go to days. Jasper's. Always go to Jasper's. There you have it. Go to Jasper's, everybody, our proud sponsor. We do appreciate their time or their support. You guys should go support them. Uh, we appreciate Brendan Wright's time. Uh, obviously, can't wait for that stadium to get open. Steve, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Scavendish. Uh, Braden, where can people find you? At Braden Gall on Twitter. Go to the YouTube page, 440 Sports, Twitter, 440 Sports, Facebook, 440 Sports, 440 Media on Instagram because somebody already had the stupid name. So whatever. And- Fine. And they can and they can also find you in the dugout, <laughs> Coach Gall. Oh, that's right. <laughs> going out to going out to coach the yep. the yep. the East Nashville U five T ball U six U six sorry U six girls T ball. We're coming for you, East Side. We're <laughs> coming for you. You know what? A lot of hit and run with our team. Okay, <laughs> so be ready for movement for, on the base for path. your team or against your team. But we're gonna have a lot of movement somewhere. Okay, it, a it lot of shifts. Be, it may be on the base pass. It may be in the field. It may be at the, in the dugout. We don't know yet. We haven't gotten that far through the game plan. But I'm the coach. I don't know how that happened. But I'm the coach. God bless you all. For Steve Cavanish and Brandon Wright, my name is Braden Gall. Go to Jasper's, everybody. Thank you for listening. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Lamestream Sports on the 440 Sports Network.